and welcome to episode episode six. Episode six. Uh, yeah. Cool. That's um, all the fingers on one hand plus another guy. We'll send a book to anyone who can figure out what that's from. Yeah. Plus another guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so welcome to episode six of Queen the Shelves podcast. I'm Sarah Sawyers Lovett. I'm Ryan Sawyers Lovett. And this is the nonfiction episode. Um, nonfiction but not memoir. Nonfiction but not memoir. Which made choosing a book a little bit more difficult, I'm not going to lie. That's true. And I have to tell you, like, I... I'm good with, like, personal essays, a collection of essays. I have a really, I, I learned this week and last week, because it took me a long time to read half of this book. Um, I am, I really struggle with, like, hard data and, like, um, a book that is presented as mostly, like, empirical data. So, what book did you read? Oh, yeah, I guess that is uh, a great question. So, I read a book called uh, Violence Against Queer People Race, Class, Gender, and the Persistence of Anti LGBT Discrimination by Doug Mayer, uh, which came out in um, October of this year. And it is um, a really academic book, which I thought, ooh, I'm going to be such a smarty pants and I'm going to learn so many things. And I did, I learned a lot. And it's a good book. Um, it was exhausting to read. Why was it just like the data? It was. It was a lot. Like there. So this book is is sort of based on like forty nine interviews that the author did with like queer people who had experienced um, violence in the New York area, and so it was about their experiences. And, and then I guess he turned their experiences into um, statistical data and took into consideration um, like gender and race and class and it was a good book and it didn't tell me anything that I didn't already know but also like maybe you don't really think about violence against queer people in terms of like um, how it is like often gendered um, and and racialized, so that was that was pretty interesting. Would you recommend it to folks? I would recommend it to folks who um, are studying something relevant and want to use it in a term paper. Uh, I don't actually know anybody who just like hangs out to read statistics. I think there. I mean, like, yeah, actually, that's not true. I know people who are are like queer studies nerds who might enjoy it. Okay. Yeah. It's not exactly a glowing recommendation. You know, it was hard for me to read. I'm not gonna lie. Um, it was not an easy subject matter, and it was um, kind of a labor to to get through. Um, yeah. What about you? What did you read? I read Gender Outlaws, The Next Generation, which is a collection of essays curated by Kate Bornstein and Esper Bergman. Yeah. Um, I liked it a lot. I mean, I learned a lot from it. Mm -hmm. Um, It was really compelling to read stories of um, folks who 
are sort of having discussion about being trans, being genderqueer, being some sort of other sex or gender um, from other places. So there's like someone from Singapore talking about like their experience in Singapore. There was one I say that was written in Spanish and then translated into English talking Ooh. about how to sort of live your life in a way that you can find language to explain just what you need to say about who you are, but like trying to sort that out in English and Spanish and how it's difficult to do it. Um, there's like um, transcript from porn. <laughs> Ooh. There's uh, some graphic novel pieces in it. Nice. So there's like a, it's a very um, compelling read because it just has so many different elements to it. Um, and I mean, like when you're reading you know 20 some essays on gender like actually many more than 20 like there's so many essays yeah. here um i feel like it could get a little heavy but it really was extremely like in insightful for me and i think like one of the things that i struggle with is someone who is cisgender is like learning things without like forcing everyone who i know who's trans to be like an ambassador for me. Right. So That's fair. it's super helpful to, you know, read these stories that people put out there Ooh. in an effort to educate what I am just looking through the um the names of the people who Yeah, I figured you would know. Yeah. A lot. Um yeah, there are Rika whose book I read. Yeah, and then Sassafras Lowry mm-hmm. who just wrote like a queer kinky adaptation of peter pan uh called lost boy boi that Mm -hmm. was pretty good um yeah this is really cool yeah there's just it's a lot to it um a lot of people i'm not familiar with too which is also really nice yeah um the book starts it was so interesting it starts with this like very intimate like text conversation between Mm -hmm. um bornstein and esther bergman and it's just about like the genesis of the book and it, it makes sense that they made it the um the forward because mm-hmm. it gives a lot of information about how they Kate Bornstein wrote a version of this book some period of time ago and this yeah. is like an updated new sort of companion to that book um so there's a lot of information about like how they came about working together and but it was so intimate i felt so like almost uncomfortable reading it because it just felt very very voyeuristic um to just be like peeping on this really private conversation that clearly they didn't need to keep private or wanted to keep private because they published it in the book but um that was a really like interesting like way to start the book for me yeah. um everything else there were definitely like personal elements to essays as well as like essays that were a little bit more academic but i didn't feel even like the transcript of the pornography was like not as like i'm just like sitting at your window like watching what you're doing i don't know right. it just felt very voyeuristic um but i liked it a lot um, um and i met i've met Esper Bergman before. Yeah, we tabled next to him mm-hmm. at a uh, Philly Trans Health Conference with uh, Wooden Shoe Books. Yeah. Um, and he's awesome. Like, he's just really a good dude. 
Um, there's also an inter- uh, interview. I keep saying interview, but that's not an essay in there by Julia Serrano, who mm. I like a great deal. And I actually thought, oh, maybe I'll reread Excluded for my nonfiction book, but that seemed to be cheating. So. Yeah, you can't cheat, man. <sighs> Excluded is really good, too. I, I will give that my ringing endorsement. What is excluded about? Um, it is about the ways in which trans women are often excluded from like um, feminism or um, queer community, um, and just generally like othered within the communities that are other. You know. Okay, so like the sort of burden almost of being yeah. doubly othered. Yeah. Doubly. Know what I'm looking for. Maybe we shouldn't record it. Twenty of ten on a Sunday night. Maybe. We're both so low energy. Um. Yeah. Anyway, excluded was really good. I would like to read Whipping Girl as well, but I'll get around to it. Did you ever? This is like so off topic, but did you ever read the Whipping Boy like teen like the children's novel? No. I like loved that freaking book when I was a kid. I'm gonna look it up. <laughs> it was about like a kid whose, like, job was to be whipped for the prince. My God. That's freaking grim. Award-winning author Sid Fleischman blends the Raleigh comic with a deeply compassionate and this memorable novel, which is a Newbery Medal winner. Um, A prince and a pauper, Prince Brat, and his whipping boy inadvertently trade places after becoming involved with dangerous outlaws. The two boys have nothing in common, even less reason to like each other. But when they find themselves taking hostage after running away, they're left with no choice but to trust each other. Prince Brat? Yeah. Well, his name is Prince Horace, but they call him Prince Brat because he's a little asshole. Okay. But he never, like, has any consequences for being a little asshole. Like, the whipping boy, Jeremy, I think. Um... That's guess like wooden plates for him. Three. Um Yeah, I like Does this take place in Amalas? <laughs> um listen, there's only one bad thing happening in Amalas. It's real bad, but there's no whipping for there. Everybody else gets along because all the bad shit happens to that one little kid. Alright, so should we reel it back in? <laughs> Um, oh my god, when did this book come out? I fucking love this thing. I will say that I uh, read another book that wound up being a memoir that I, I thought was not going to be. Um, so I, I will just mention that. It's called um, Hiding in Hip Hop, and it's about the download. Um, Terrence Dean. So he talks about like growing up and getting involved in like the... Um, music and movie industry and being on the down low and I I don't know I, I guess I thought it was going to be a collection of essays but I, I it was a memoir and it was good um, didn't you spend time like trying to figure out who was who yeah, yes I did figure out who was who some creative googling I imagine happened there love that dishy shit <laughs> that is a book I probably would enjoy yeah I yeah, it was good. I, I would suggest it. Um, so yeah, are there other books of nonfiction that you would like to mention? Um, I mean, I think our difficulty was finding books that were not memoir, but also not hugely academic. Well, and so it could be a little tough. 
I didn't actually have a ton of difficulty, but like, I mean, there were like 60 slap jillion books about like gay marriage and mm-hmm. how gay marriage is important and, you know, queer history. And, but I feel like most of those books are like white queer history and gay marriage is important because it's awesome for, you know, pretty mainstream white people. I mean, people who aren't mainstream white people can marry too. I mean, I agree with you that, like, uh, gay marriage as, like, the issue for fucking, what is it, 20 years now, like, yeah. has really pushed um, every other very serious issue for the LGBTQIA community off to the side. Yeah. Um, and, like, I still, even, like, having quote-unquote one gay marriage i still don't feel like those other things have like come up and like no not at all it's just like now there's almost like a silence yeah um it just is really an interesting thing to have happened it is i think so many like trans folks and people of color and um, homeless youth homeless youth things like that people with like mental health stuff we'll get there let's get this done first we'll get there and then like okay shit got done Right. At the expense of, in a variety of ways, at the expense of other mm-hmm. issues, and then, like, I just, I don't think the money's coming in, I don't think, like, the advocacy is there. Nope. Um, it's really interesting, and it's very telling and very sad. It is. I agree. Um, although, we are married. Yeah, that's fair. We are married cis white people. So, full disclosure. I guess. I don't. Yeah, I guess. I'm so. My energy level is so low. That's what I was saying. We, we gotta record at twenty of ten. We gotta pull this together. Um, should we do a random thing picker for next time? Yes, I did it already. Really? What did you get? Crime. Ooh. What did I get? Pick one. I got romance. Haven't we already done? No, we haven't. Already we haven't. Romance. Romance. <laughs> you know I like it when you talk fancy. <laughs> All right. Yeah, which one are we gonna do? I don't know. Do you want to do paper rock scissors? It's a podcast, so we could just say that we're talking paper rock scissors and pick crime because you know nobody wants to read romance. Um, weren't you all about trying to read those like wolf, gay wolf, fucking stories? Gay wolf stories. Weren't, like, a couple episodes ago, you were like, yeah, I'm really interested in reading these. The Chuck Tingle books? Yeah. They're, like, dinosaurs and stuff. But they're, I don't know, not really. Like, if I'm going to read a romance novel, I'm going to read, like, a legitimate romance novel. I just, I think that when we started this, like, the um, genre thing was, like, a really good way for us to like focus mm-hmm. but it's become like really clear the further along we get that it's like actually very difficult right to find books that actually fit into genres fit into the genres and stuff and like have gay characters are great well i mean it gets a little easier when you're talking like gay authors right like i or queer authors like i read rico's book Mm-hmm. She's a queer author, but there was no queer theme in that book whatsoever. But she's a queer author, so it like sort of passed muster. But like, it's really, it's it's really so yeah. much 
harder. Yeah. And then when we add on the idea of like we want to read books that are maybe not, not necessarily written by like as people. Yeah. It's just like it's layers and layers of like excessive difficulty with accessibility. Yeah. Which like I mean I guess clearly shouldn't have been something that surprises me, but like yeah. I think just assumed it would be a little easier to find stuff and it's it's not. No. Like, it's really not. Um, yeah, it's funny too because like I um, follow a lot of um, like the We Need Diverse Books people on Twitter and it's funny because every now and then I think, well, yeah, like YA is pretty diverse, but like it's not and publishing is not diverse and, and like certainly like genre writing and publishing is not diverse and people are like, oh, well, nobody, like, reads, like, black queer crime novels. And, and you're like, how do you fucking know? Like, how many exist? Yeah. So that's, yeah. Or romance novels, I guess, too. Or, like, the ones that are there are all, like, super self-published. And so, like, they're pretty below the radar. And, and like, you know, those people might be awesome writers, but they also lack the production value to, like you know, have their books, like, proofed and edited and, and, like, gone through, like, all of the processes that, like, the big five have, like, the resources to, to put, like, a, a book through to make it a polished thing. Right. I mean, like, we saw, was the my author that we saw speak the other day? You interviewed her for John. Um, Libra Drigo? Mm-hmm. Like, she talked about, like, how she has version zero, which is, like, the version of her story that, like, nobody gets to see, and then she has, like, drafts, like, from there that get, like, edited and, like, streamlined, and she talked about things that had changed through the books. I feel like with the self-publishing, like, there isn't that, so there's, like, a little bit of a, of a arrested development there, because you're not getting the opportunity to, like, go through and right. hit up and I mean like many I'm, I'm sure some self-published authors are doing that but they're not doing it like you said with the resources that someone with a publishing company has yes, and right. so like you're not getting books that um, you know are everything that they could be right um, which like clearly we're not against self-publishing as you are self-published in a variety of ways yeah but like i think it just it really does speak to the idea that like literature needs to be much 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 more diverse and accessible yeah and accessible yeah because even now like i read i'm excited about crime novels because i fucking love crime novels it's like i like eat that shit up and right. i'm like oh my god i need to find one written by someone who's queer i think i can potentially think of someone emma donahue wrote room i don't know if she's written Oh, crime novel. Is that a crime novel? Well, I mean, there's a crime, there's a crime in it, so I feel like I could. I'm, but I've read Room already, so I'm not gonna read that again. Right. I'm like, has she written other books? Like, pretty sure we were talking about Patricia Highsmith recently. Is Patricia Highsmith queer? Yeah, did not know that. I think so. Let's let's take it to uh, to that there Google. Well, this is interesting. What Barnes and Noble actually has like a section. Ooh. Gay and lesbian mystery and crime. Really? 
There's a lot of books in it as well. Almost all of them are by Rita Mae Brown. Yeah. <laughs> I have to tell you, I'm not going to read a Rita Mae Brown book. Yeah, but there's like a lot. I mean, there's, this particular page has a ton of it, but there's yeah. like a lot there. So that's something. I think that's something else that we need to do a better job of for the podcast. It's like clearly since we're struggling to find books we mm-hmm. need to like find more than just the books that we're reading so that we can link them for folks yeah um this may not turn out to be as big of a problem as i thought it was going to be because yeah there's a lot there's actually like many 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 more books than i thought <laughs> here i am not like i cannot in any way shape or form guarantee that all these books are actually written by queer authors or right but like it's worth it to go through them yeah definitely yeah, I'm excited, actually. When we say crime, are we talking about, like, true crime or, like, no. mystery novels? mystery novels. There's okay. a whole separate um, genre within our list of things about true, true crime. crime. Yeah. Right. So I just assumed that those will all be, like, animal books. <laughs> so, uh... You should just get your mom on this. <laughs> have her look for them. She yeah. does. She gets really... She sends us lists. She's like our. She's gonna have like things to say about this. She listened to the podcast that we released, where just the three of us were sitting around like shooting shit, and she sent me. We sound high. It's true. (laughs) Do we sound that? I don't think we sound that. Well, I feel like it's just such a chill thing that we're like, you know, I don't know. Maybe we don't. I haven't listened to it. Um, Yeah. So funny. It is really funny. Oh my. What's going on? Some of these books have terrible names. Like what? I don't want to read them. Really? They're that bad? Well, oh, you know what? Maybe I'll read a Christopher Rice book. Who's Christopher Rice? Anne Rice's son. Oh. His books, like his mystery books, are the first couple I read. They were really good. Oh my. What? I do love that skit. I know, it's so funny. There's nothing about that skit that I don't like. I don't dislike Kate McKinnon. I'm not mad at Ryan Gosling. I just, the overuse of the word knockers. <laughs> calling her lady parts her coot coot. Porky bigot it. Yeah. <laughs> With her prune shoot hanging out. Hanging out. Oh my god. Uh, we'll link to this in the podcast just in case you've been living under a rock and didn't see this week's SNL. Oh my god, it was so funny. So funny. <sighs> I think, I mean, like, clearly, just, that was so funny. <laughs> oh I think that, like, it helped, too, that, like, Kate McKinnon's character was clearly not, like, upset by, like... Right. She was more, like... Confused. Bemu- but And also, like, sort of bemused. Like, well, I just think she couldn't hold it together, and that's why she was. She seemed so bemused. No, I mean, like, that's her walking away. She was like, so tell me about God. She was, like, very yeah. chill about the idea that she had had this, like, really shitty experience yeah. in comparison to the other two. Um, my God, so funny. <laughs> um, yeah. We should call this the existential crisis episode. This is an existential crisis. What do you want to do? I think 
I'm exhausted. Yeah. And I feel like I don't make any sense. You can tell people about how I have washers as my bookmark. Mm. Like, just a packet of washers. That's my washers. Oh my god, everything we do is so weird. I know. Um... Alright, so yeah, I um I don't have a tremendous amount of other things to say about nonfiction. I will say that it has been the first weekend in December. Um so while I do work at an awesome bookstore and I I've really enjoyed it, it is also retail hell because it's um like Christmas and Hanukkah time and I didn't prepare for this podcast at all so i i would like to apologize on on behalf of the querying the shelves podcast and hope that we'll do better next time oh i think that we don't have to fall on a sword like that fall on the sword i mean i think we should just put out shorter episode busy week get you back next time yeah well our last podcast was like an hour long yeah we're still exhausted from hanging out with beth um yeah so to summarize nonfiction is hard <laughs> christmas is exhausting <laughs> and i am too out of my head to function yeah um so that's it for this episode of queering the shelves podcast thanks for sticking with us through all of this existential i don't what know what are we even doing here Sarah? what i don't know who i am as a person anymore I always say that. Who am I as a person? Who am I as a dinosaur? When the fuck do you say that? I say who who am I as a person all the time. When do you say it? I say, I said it in the elevator today. I don't even know who I am as a person. And then I thought, what else would I be? Like, I don't know who I am as a plastic fork. When did you say that in the elevator? I don't I did. I said it. I said it with my face. Are you just not listening to me? Um, don't even try that. Okay. So, this has been fun. Marriage is fine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. Um, Um, yeah, so we'll see next time. We will be talking about queer... Rhyme novels. Woohoo! So. Happy Hanukkah, folks. Happy Hanukkah. Thanks for listening to this episode of Queering the Shelves podcast. Just a reminder that if you want to get in touch, you can email us at queeringtheshelves at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash queeringtheshelves. You can tweet us at Queer the Shelves on Twitter. Podcasts and show notes are available at queerpodcast.com. You can like, rate, and review us on iTunes and get in touch. Communication is what brings communities together, and we feel really lucky to be part of yours.